Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. You know, as I was thinking about and praying about what I would share this morning, I thought I would preach uh, what I would say is one of my life messages. You know, as you have uh, been in church for a while, you know, there's just the occasional message that just reaches out, grabs you by the throat and changes your life. Now, hopefully every message does that. But over the course of my life, there's been a number of messages that have been dramatic life change messages where I've gone, you know what, I'm, I'm going to completely just embrace that and make sure I, I, I live my life by that particular scripture or that particular thought. And I heard this a message on this particular verse and this particular thought when I was about 15. And it was just something that the Holy Spirit really struck uh, in my heart and I've been very mindful and very intentional in the way that I've lived my life to make sure I live out this particular scripture and, and the, the premise of the scripture. And, and it's found in Proverbs 23 and verse 7. And it simply says this, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This means that you become like your dominant thought. That whatever you meditate on, that's the direction your life is going to be taken in. That you become like what you think about. In Dayton, Ohio, at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, they've developed planes that fly by thought. And they put helmets on the pilots, and they, they, as the plane flies, if the pilot thinks, I want to bank left, it, the, the uh, impulses of his brain are converted to electrical impulses that then fly the plane. And so then the plane will bank left. If the, the, the pilot thinks that he want to inc- increases the altitude of the plane, then he thinks that and it, it does that. And the quality of the flight is determined by the quality of the thought life of the pilot. And our life is exactly the same as that. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of what you meditate on. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, the Bible actually gives us a number of things to think about. Actually, before I go to that, um, there was a, a book that I read a few years ago called Good to Great by a guy called Jim Collins. Anybody read that book? It's basically, uh, it's basic premises. It looks at, at, at companies that were good companies and they went from being good companies to great companies. And it's, it's a really good book, fascinating book. It's, it's a leadership book. Uh, the secular. One of the things that this guy Jim Collins says is that the enemy of good, uh, sorry, the enemy of great is good. See, we can think that the enemy of great is, is bad, but the enemy of great is good because if you're, if you're a good company, this was his premise, if you're a good company, the impetus to become a great company isn't there. If you're a bad company, you know, company's losing money and, and it's going bankrupt or it's going, you know, going downhill and, and a, a leader comes in and turns it around, then it's, kind of, it's almost easier to go from being bad to great than being good to great. Because if you're a good company and you've got profits and, and things are going okay and you've got a good reputation and you're selling stuff, and then why, why become great? And, and I took that on board. I really felt God speak to me and say, and it's the same thing with Christianity. That the enemy of being a great Christian, being an effective Christian, is being a good Christian. Because where's the impetus then to say, God, I need to take hold of the Holy Spirit in a greater way. God, I need to get deeper revelation of the Word. God, I need to study more. God, I, I, I want to get into the to, to church more and, and, and become a great Christian. 
Because if you're a good Christian, then that's okay. I mean, certainly if you're a, you're a sinner, then it's, it's kind of almost easy to go from being a, a, a sinner, you get saved, and, and then you, be, you can become a great Christian like that. But if you're a good Christian, you're not sad. I know a lot of good Christians. But we're not called to be good Christians. We're called to be great Christians. Great disciples of Christ. And then I read a book, and I, I want to encourage you to read this book. This book's a great book. It's Good to Great in God's Eyes. Got by a guy called Chip Ingram. And the 10 practices great Christians have in common. And I'm going to take one of the thoughts out of this book and unpack it. One of the, the 10 things that he talks about uh, is, uh, is thinking. And I want to unpack that a little bit today. I'm going to quote a little bit out of it. But let's have a look at a scripture. In Philippians 4 and verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. What a great scripture. You know, if you want to do an audit of, of your thinking, this is the best way I know how to do it. Look at what you think about just as you're falling asleep. Because you go to sleep and you're thinking about the fact that you should have been on the roster more at church and you're ticked off with Rachel because she does the rosters and she's a better worship leader than you and you're just, you're just oh, Rachel. And, 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 and that's how you go to sleep. Then that's not healthy thinking. So if you want to do an audit on your thing, you have a look at what you think. Or, or when you're driving along in the car, just stop yourself and go, what, did I, what was I just thinking about for the last 20 minutes, just driving up the freeway? So when your brain's on autopilot, that's how you know what you, what you dwell on. The Bible's talking here about thinking great things. In this book, it actually unpacks uh, the words. And we're going to put these up on the screen, uh, each of the words. The first word is true. Think about things that are objectively true, things that conform to reality before you put something in your mind. Ask yourself, is this true? The next word is honorable. This word also means grave or worthy of respect. It refers to those things that reflect the serious purposes of a believer's life. Before that movie, commercial, or conversation goes into your mind, ask yourself, does this honor God and reflect His purposes for me? The word right. This word implies justice and righteousness. In the New Testament, it refers to the character and actions of the Father and of Jesus. It is a picture of duty. Before you spend time thinking about something, ask yourself, is this right or is this wrong? Now, one of the things you'll note here is that this means you have to be very intentional about what you let yourself dwell on. You have to be really intentional about what you think about. The word pure, it comes from the same word, root word as holy and means to be pure from defilement of immorality. It carries the idea of internal integrity. Now, what a, what a powerful thought that is. That, that we would live lives with internal integrity, particularly in our thought life. Ask yourself, am I thinking on ideas that are pure and holy? The word lovely. This is my favorite word on the list. that means attractive, winsome, or beautiful. It pictures things that call forth a response of love and warmth from within us. Ask yourself, is my mind filled with beauty? Good question. Of good repute. The general sense of this word is admirable, but its literal meaning is fair speaking. In other words, are these thoughts fit for God's hearing? Anything of excellence and worthy of praise, these last two thoughts are a summary category for anything that has moral excellence, motivates us to godly behavior, or encourages others to walk with God. So we need to think 
great thoughts. And as we look at some of the sources of great thoughts, uh, there's a scripture that says, uh, it, well, one of the, the sources of great thoughts is the scripture, John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Uh, other sources of great thoughts, that we can dwell on great truths. You know, there's a, 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 a poem by, or a thought by Sir Francis of Assisi, and he says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. You could spend a month just meditating on that. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. What does that look like? Being able to meditate and think, and think that and, and, and to go into a work situation or, I mean, at Christmas time, sometimes family, family gatherings are quite tense. But to think... Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. And when you walk into these tense situations that you are being an instrument of God's peace, that you would think that, that you would think these things. Meditate on spiritual insight, read great books, and spend time with great people. Sources of great thoughts. Now, I want to read just one more quote out of this book on uh, our mental diet. We all have a, uh, a nutritional diet, hopefully, of, of like natural food. But we also need to think about what our mental diet is. For many people, the practice of meditating on Scripture and spiritual insight seems difficult. I've heard faithful believers tell me they don't have the discipline or the concentration to memorize Scripture or focus on God's truths for long periods without getting distracted. But everyone knows how to do this. Most of us do it when we're anxious or worried. Isn't that the truth? Isn't it easy to, to obsess about something when you're worried about it or somebody's upset you and you obsess about it? You go over every, every little kind of uh, detail and what you should have said and what if they had said this, you would have said that. And you're going through all these incredible scenarios. What you're doing is you're filling your brain with negative thoughts. We can concentrate on problems and fears for hours at a time, picking apart every detail and obsessing about every contingency. Thinking great thoughts means taking the incredible, this incredible ability to focus on negatives and use it for more positive and truthful purposes. What do you think when you drive? What do you listen to at home? When the remote control is in your hand, what channels do you turn on and allow to flow into your mind? If you feed your mind on a diet of mental junk food, your spiritual health will reflect it. So we have, to have a, uh, we have to be very intentional about our mental diet. And I, I want to talk uh, key areas, eight key areas for cultivating great thoughts. And this is to help you come up with, uh, if you need to change your mental diet, then this hopefully will be one area of that, or you'll pick one, an area here to change your thinking. The first one is, and this will be up on the board, think great thoughts about God. Romans 11 and verse 36, 33 to 35 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How searchable, how, sorry, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord, who has become his counselor, who has first given to him and it shall be repaid? How big is your God? Like in your mind, how big is your God? I get frustrated by, uh, and I'm not getting into this particular topic, but I get frustrated at times by the marriage equality debate because the people that are pro-marriage equality like to take scriptures out of context and say, well, this is, this is the character of your God. 
And there was one girl in, in, in Narrow City Church, I was really disappointed to, to see some Facebook posts where she says, you know, God did this in the Old Testament, God did that in the Old Testament, God did this in the Old Testament, and, and basically painting God in a very bad picture. And I, I inboxed her privately and I said, I wished you had have spent just as much time researching some of the scriptures that are hard to understand about the character of God and researched the incredible awesomeness of God's grace and mercy. And it seems that some people, and, and atheists do it the same, that they want to they get God and they want to put Him into a box and into this, this ugly little corner. But I choose to meditate on the greatness of God. And, and the way you can tell about the, the size of your God is, look at the size of your prayers. Because if the size of your prayer is, God, I need a car park, then God could be, is, is in your mind, maybe really small. But if your if your uh, if your prayer list is God would we see shall harbour saved in a day. God would could could the rains come over Vanuatu God right now and let there be miracles of growth in food so that the drought's over. If if your if your prayers are huge, then you've got a big God. I like having a, a, a what I call a. A, a normal prayer list, which is where I'm praying for my children and praying for you know th normal things, big big things, but normal things. But then I like to have an outrageous prayer list, like just outrageous, just I mean stupidly outrageous. You know, God, could we could we see ISIS defeated in 24 hours? God, could we go a year? God, could we go a decade without any terrorism anywhere in the world? God, could we see somehow, God, could we see the abolition of the child sex slave trade completely out of the world? Like, have an outrageous prayer list and, 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 and believe that God could do it. Because I want a big God and I want to think great thoughts about God. The next area is to think great thoughts about yourself. We live in an era where it's almost the trend, almost the, 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 the social convention that you've got to hate yourself. And that if you say, I'm awesome, you're deemed to be arrogant, full of yourself, you love yourself. But I want to tell you something. I am awesome. Think great thoughts about yourself. I mean, I, I have sat with teenagers teenage girls particularly who hate themselves so much that they cut themselves you know and 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 teenage boys that that are struggling with suicide they hate themselves they hate their life so much but as christians what if you started to see yourself the way god sees you now have a look at this scripture zephaniah 3 and verse 17 the lord your god is with you right there that's awesome he is mighty to save he will take great delight in you he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Let's have a look at that third line. He will take great delight in you. I remember when my first child was born. She's now 17. And uh, nobody tells you that the, the day your baby's born is the most stressful day of your life. Like, nobody mentions that. Nobody mentions the screaming and the, the, the just everything. And that was just coming from me. But the minute... Lakeisha was born, like the, the very second I laid eyes on her. I mean, if you've ever seen a baby being born, they come out looking like skinned rabbits. And again, nobody ever mentions that, but I'm just giving you a briefing. 
But the moment, the moment I laid eyes on her, I was so in love. Look, I, I, from that moment, I would have given my life for that person. I didn't even know her. But all of a sudden, I took great delight in her. And all of a sudden, I would, I would give my life for this rabbity thing. And I have, for the last nearly 18 years, taken great delight in her. In fact, it's, it's, it's a great pain now because we've moved to the Gold Coast, but we left Lakeisha in Nowra. Boyfriend, church, university. So, like, it's, it's, there's a separation anxiety that I'm experiencing right now. But I take great delight in her. I just, I love her. I just, she's just, I mean, and I'm not saying anything unusual. This is every parent. What if God looks at you like that? I mean, Lakeisha hadn't done anything. She was just kind of lying there like a, like a mullet. You know, when you get a fish out, out of the ocean and it just flaps around on the bottom of the boat. Well, she was kind of like that. Don't tell her I'd said this. No, no Facebook mentions about mullets, skin rabbits. So she had done absolutely nothing, but I delighted in her. You know, one of the reasons why I made her. She's mine and, and, and I delight. And you know what? God even more so when he looks at you. He, he simply delights in you. You, you. you wake up in the morning and God goes, wow, she's awake. And he delights in you. And then what happens is we get up and look in the, the mirror and go, oh, gee, I'm feeling fat today. Oh, I've got a pimple. I hate myself. And, I, and God's standing by the mirror going, but you're awesome. So what if, what if we started thinking what God thinks about us? And that we had great thoughts about ourselves. And that we, we, we got up in the morning, looked in the mirror and went, oh, yeah, all right. Like the Fonz, who remembers the Fonz? Yeah. There's a video I want to play and it's a, it's a coach about half time you know, in America giving his, uh, his team a rev up. And I look at this and I go, you know, we should put this on every morning. And there's some, there's some brutal pictures in this in terms of the word pictures, but, so don't worry about the theology of it. But um, I just love this because I look at it and I go, we should get up in the morning, play this to ourselves and run out of the, out of the house going, I am a champion. Let's, let's watch the video.
All right, that'll do. All right. So, that's you tomorrow morning in front of the mirror without clothes on. Who am I? I'm a champion. That's what you got to do. Think great thoughts about yourself. The third area that we need to think great thoughts about is think great thoughts about others. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things the, man, the way man looks. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We can be Christ-like just by the way we treat people. We need to believe the best in people. So if somebody comes up and says to you, oh, you should hear what Dave, I just overheard Dave speaking in the lobby, you should hear what I heard Dave say. And it's gossip and it's negative. You know, you, you can stop them and you go, you know what? I know Dave. He's a good man. And I choose to believe that you either misheard, you've misrepeated, or Dave's having a bad day. But I believe the best in Dave. And if we could believe the best in people, and that we, we think great thoughts about people, and, and, and not just people we know, but complete strangers. That we would, that we would you know, there's a, there's a book out now, I haven't read it yet, but I know the author, I'm about to read it, called Do Talk to Strangers. And we, we, we grow up and, and we're told, you know, don't talk to strangers, don't talk to strangers, don't talk to strangers. And if you're 15 and below, don't talk to strangers. If you're above that though, strangers can be some of the most exhilarating people to meet. Now, don't do this either, but sometimes if I'm on a long trip, because I do drive a lot, I'll pick up a hitchhiker, because then they're trapped in my car and I get to tell them about Jesus. Uh, but I've had some of the most, um, and don't pick up hitchhikers. In fact, let me tell you a funny story. I was driving up to conference from Nowra, and I was doing, taking some stuff up for the global care display. And so I had a chainsaw in my boot, but on the back seat, I had a shovel, a crowbar, and, and, and some hammers. Anyway, I pulled over. A guy was thumbed, and, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll tell him about Jesus. So I pulled over. Anyway, he opened up. I said, oh, I'm going up to the Gold Coast. He goes, oh, yeah, that'd be great. And he looked. And he was about to get in, and I saw him glance and looked at my back seat. And he went, I'm right, thanks. <laughs> and I went, well, that's weird, and drove. And then it's like about two k's down the road. I went, oh, yeah. I wouldn't have gone in either. But anyway. But we, are, we have to talk to strangers and, 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 and think great thoughts about others. You know, rather than, than believing what other people say and, 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 or even having just misconstrued or, or, or uh, you know, preconceived ideas, actually think great thoughts about others. The next area that we need to have great thoughts about is to think great thoughts about life. John 10.10 10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. You know, I, I just recently turned 46 and people say to me, oh, wow, well, you're getting old. And I go, yes, and that's awesome. Because the more birthdays I have, the longer I've lived. And you go, well, duh. 
But there's, there's this, like the, this eternal worship of youth that kind of somehow getting older is bad. I just wrote a blog on about 30 things. I think it was actually 20. Anyway, there's a whole stack of things that are great about getting older. And one of the great things about getting older is I've lived a long time. Now, not as long, some as long as some over here, but let's keep moving on. I was looking at this youth section just right here. Let me guess. 62. Yeah, she'll take that. Anyway, <laughs> there's some great things about getting older. And we need to think great thoughts, not just about getting older, but just about life. Life is awesome. And you hear people complain and they, oh, you know, Christmas is coming up and I'm so busy. That's awesome. Christmas is a great time. And isn't it great to be busy and to be able to have function to go to and Christmas parties to go to and volunteer nights to come out for for church? I reckon that's awesome. Because to me, the, the busier I am, the more life I'm having, the more experiences I'm having. And one of the, one of the things I love about uh, life uh, and getting the most out of life is, or one of the things I do, is have a bucket list. You know, 50 things you want to do in the next five years. Not that you're going to kick the bucket in, in five years. Anyway, don't worry. Uh, but, like, do, write up a list of things and, and live life widely. Let me read this poem to you. A guy by the name of Tom Matthews, he said, There once was a very cautious man who never laughed or cried. He never cared. He never dared. He never dreamed or tried. And when one day he passed away, his insurance was denied. For since he never really lived, they claimed he never died. Benjamin Franklin says, some people die at 25 and aren't buried until they're 75. That's true. You meet people and it's like, they, they, it's like they've encountered the zombie apocalypse and they've been beaten, bitten and they're, they're, there's no life in them. You, you kind of, they're, they're living beige existence. But life, I mean, life, life, goes, life, life does go fast. So live every day and think great thoughts about life. The next one, think great thoughts about the future. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You know what? The best is yet to come. And I love even the promo for the youth camp, that next year is going to be the best year of your life. Man, if you don't believe that next year is going to be the best year of your life, you're stuffed already. You know what I think? I think age, getting old, Having birthdays, there's no choice in that. But you can choose whether you get old or not. And, and to me, I think age for me, getting old, is when you think the best of your life is in the past. Man, I know some older people. I, I, I know one lady, the, the former associate pastor of Narrow City Church, 66-year-old lady. She's just retired after like 44 years of ministry. Just retired. She's now living out at Neriga. And her and her husband are building a house. They scrape the top of a mountain off, a hill off. They're building a house kind of tucked into the hill. Then they're going to bury the house and they're going to live underground. It's a, I was only out there yesterday. It's a phenomenal project. And it, I mean, it's, they've been working on this now for a decade and, and they're, li they're living out there now. And, and it's, it's about a third finished and they've, they're living in there. But I look at that and I go, for her, she's 66 and she's saying, the best is yet to come. And the, she's not saying, well, you know, back in, back in the good old days. I mean, Leo, Leo and Feder and I get together. Ah, oh, you know, back in 95, you know, it was just, why are they great days? You know, well, back in the 80s when we used to sing, I love you, Lord. 
and I left my eyes. Oh, those worship were great. No, no. The best worship was this morning's. The best wor- some of the best worship songs hasn't even been written yet. Rachel, come on. Write some stuff. You're not doing anything except just making a person. So think great thoughts about the future because you know what? Next year is going to be the best year of your life. Number six, think great thoughts about the past. Philippians 3 verse 13 and 14 says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't allow your past to define your present and set your future. You know, all of us have bad stuff in our past. All of us have been hurt. All of us at times have had our our hearts ripped out. Some of us have had abusive upbringings. Like, Like, everybody has bad past, bad things in their past. I think it's great when you, and you may need to go through counseling. You may, you may take some time to reconcile that. But I love that worship song that we sang earlier that said, leave your past at the cross and so that surrender to God. Because that's what it comes down to. And again, I understand there are, there are some horrendous things that happen in some people's past and they need to reconcile that and there needs to be some counseling. And, and so I'm not in any way dismissing that because some people have worse past than others. But all of us have had hard times. Don't let your past define your present and your future. The next area, just two more to go. Think great thoughts about challenges. James 1 and verse 2 and 4. I've got to tell you, this is scripture I find it really hard to do. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Who in their right mind, when they're going through a really hard day, you know, the car won't start, there's a bus strike, Uber's illegal, uh, you, you get to work late, you're fired. Um, you know, it's, I mean, you're having a bad day. Who says, thank you, Jesus, I'm counting it all joy. And on the bus trip home, on the school bus trip home, uh, because you had to catch the school bus because that was the only bus working, you're up the back worshipping, shout to the Lord for the earth and whatever the rest of that song is, and, and having this incredible worship time because you've had such a bad day. Who does that? Yeah, see, nobody. And, and I'm the same. But the Bible actually says to think great thoughts about challenges. That I look back at some of the, the, the challenges that I've gone through, and at the time you go through them and you just go, man, I don't even know where God is in this. And, but I look back now and I go, God was all over it. In fact, some of, the, some of the biggest challenges in my life, I have bound the devil. I'm sure it's a demon. I'm doing this. I'm bagging out the devil and praying in Jesus' name and casting everything out. And a year later I go, that was God. There was God all in that. I mean, I'll tell you a quick story. You guys finish at quarter to 12, don't you? I've only got one more point after this, and it's a really short one. So give me three minutes. You know that means nothing, don't you? Give me three minutes. It means nothing. When I went to Nowra, uh, we didn't have any money in the church. The church was really tight. 
And I did notice on the balance sheet that there was a loan for $20,000 that it was like a member loan that somebody from the church had lent the church $20,000. And our, our, annual, annual, uh, our weekly our, our giving at that point in time was about two grand. So two grand, $20,000 bill, that's a big bill. But anyway, I asked them, the, the committee of management about it and they said, oh, the lady's left the church about six years ago. You can talk to her about it if you want or just let sleeping dogs lie. I go, I like sleeping dogs, so let's let them lie. Would you believe like a month later, that woman came into the church and said, in the office and said, I want my $20,000 back. And I'm going, God, look, three months I'm down here. 20, somebody asked for 20 grand. I mean, I'm under pressure now. There's no money. We've got no money in the bank. We're struggling to pay wages. And so I'm just going, you know what? This is a devil. And I'm binding the spirit of poverty that's coming over the church. And I'm binding this and I'm binding that. And man, I cast out every devil. I, I even made up some devils. Man, I was just, just in Jesus' name. Anyway, we, I felt God say, take up an offering. So we took up an offering, raised 30000 and only had $20,000 debt. So, okay, now we've got some positive. And we did that in the first Sunday in May. As we approached the next May, people said to me, hey, let's take up another offering. And I went, yeah, I guess we could. And I like the word imagine. And so we called it the Imagine Offering. And you know why we called it the Imagine Offering? Because I didn't, even, I didn't even have anything to do with the money. I said, well, what do we do if we, have, we raise money? I don't know what to do. Like, what do you, you know, I was lacking vision in those days. But anyway, so we called it Imagine Offering. Imagine what you could do with a whole stack of money. That's how I promoted it, right? That gave birth to an Imagine Offering that we did every year for 15 years. Over the course of that 15 years, we raised $2.7 million dollars mostly for missions and social justice work. 2.7 million. Now, I look back now at this woman that walked in under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you, asking for her 20 grand back, and God had a plan, but I was thinking negative thoughts about challenges rather than saying, where's the hand of God in this? Because God was all over it, and $2.7 million later, all because some woman came in and said, can I have my 20 grand back? How awesome is that? So, you know, every challenge you get is not necessarily a bad one. In fact, the Bible's actually saying here, every challenge you get is going to cause you to grow. Okay, last point. As the music has come back up. You know, that means nothing too, don't you? That's just a trick that pastors do to kind of, so you think that I'm about to finish, but they're going to stand here for the next 17 minutes. No, I'm kidding. Last point. This is like a one minute point. Think great thoughts about nature. You know, we live in, in one of the most... I mean, I travel a lot in, around Australia, but I, I travel a lot around the world. Australia's the best country in the world. I mean, economically, politically, but beauty, there's no country like it. And, and to, to, you know, sometimes you, you, you're driving home and the sun's setting just over Robertson on the, uh, uh, on the escarpment and the, the, the sun, you know, the clouds catching the sun. It's just an amazing sunset. Take a moment, pull over, get out, Spend a moment looking at it and then say, thank you, Jesus. And I, I've started doing things like on Facebook. I'll take a photo and go, you know what? Appreciating the work of God right now. And just thinking great thoughts about nature. Uh, a couple of years ago, I drove around Australia. Uh, but I had to do it between Sundays. So I did it in 12 and a half days. Just right around 12 and a half days. And uh, took 1,800 photos. And we're, I'm just going to show you four or five photos. Because... Australia's beautiful. And I took the flag and I took creative photos of the flag. Keep, just go through, just flick through. Uh, this is just, Australia is just such a beautiful nation. And to be able to take time to, and, and I, you know, I mean, you don't have to drive around Australia. You can simply just 
Go down to Shell Harbour Harbour. Take a trip down to Nowra. Nowra's got some of the best beaches. Um, anyway. But think great thoughts about nature. So as I finish, the, the point of the sermon is this. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And to be intentional about what you think about is just so essential to go from being a good Christian to a great Christian. Father, we just thank you, Lord, right now. Father, for that intentionality in our thinking. God, for the challenge of the, this morning. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you help us, God, take hold of uh, the, the revelation and thoughts from this morning's message. And God, I ask that the Holy Spirit uses it, Father, to build revelation in people's lives. Father, even as I had deep revelation back when I was 15, when I first heard this verse and this message, God, I, I pray, Lord, that you, uh, that you would help us, all of us, Father, to be intentional and get that revelation, Father, about the power of our thought life. And as every head's bowed, every eye's closed, maybe there's some people here that don't know Jesus. I want to give you opportunity to change your life by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here today that would just raise their hand and say, Peter, would you pray for me? I'd love for you to introduce me to Jesus Christ, that saving knowledge of Jesus. We, we, we're focusing on Christmas at the, at the moment where hope came into the world. Is there anybody this morning just say, Peter, pray for me? Father, we pray, Lord, over this Christmas period, Lord, as we, this church does carols and the production, the Louis Giglio DVD, Father Christmas Day. God, I, I pray, Lord, that, that as we engage with unchurched people. We as churched people, Father, we'll look for opportunities to share our faith. Father, we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Rachel.